0: love. Um, I have not always got love right. So when I was in high school, I was dating this girl and high schoolers who are listening, if your parents say you got to wait until you're out of high school to date, listen to your parents. That's just my disclaimer. (laughs) And by the way, now that I have three girls, i <laughs> good good luck <laughs> yeah thank you, pray for me now that I have three girls, I'm like I'm okay with arranged marriages, so uh, if any of you have three boys, you love the Lord, you're wealthy um let's talk <laughs> Just, <laughs> what's happening here <laughs> so anyways, um uh, I bet you online in the comment section, there's like all these like, oh, what about my son here? Anyways, so what were they going? Oh, yes, I was dating this girl. And we dated like we're, we dated a long time in high school, like, like a month. And um, <laughs> things were going well for a month, month and a half, whatever. And uh, it got to the point where guys was getting pretty serious. Or she gave me her favorite stationery. And she said, this is my favorite stationery. Will you write me a note telling me how you feel about me? i'm a 15 year old boy uh 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 uh-huh i'll do that so i took the stationery and i just put it in my uh my bedroom and just left it there forgot about it and i think a month after this i was realizing eh it's time for me to move on and so i had to come up with ways on how i was going to uh, break up with her was i going to talk to her in person and break up with her no that's too mature was I going to text her? Well, we didn't have phones in. But was I going to, you know, send her a message on her pager? <laughs> I don't know. So how am I going to break up with her? Um, and I go, oh, wait a minute. She gave me her stationery. I'm just going to write her a breakup note on her stationery. And so so this, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating one bit. So I wrote a rough draft. And then I'm like, Mm-mm, okay, I like that. And then I get the stationery, and I write the final draft on the stationery, and I have it. Delivered to her. I gave it to a friend to give it to her and I broke up with her on her favorite stationery The stationery where she wanted me to write her like a love note. I wrote her a breakup note and Yeah, yes, I know I got love wrong, and she hated me for like the longest time after that, which I completely understood. Um, And so I don't recommend that, don't ever do that. I got love wrong, everyone hear me? I got love wrong. If there's students listening online and everyone here, I got love wrong, don't ever do that. But there have been a time or two I got love right. So when Kaz and I were dating, it came to the point when we're like, you know, I wanna marry her. And so I went and bought a four billion dollar ring that <laughs> I'm still paying off today. No, I'm just kidding, <laughs> and the, <laughs> and that weighed like 20 pounds and and all that stuff and 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 so I had this 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 entire plan. So the plan was that we'd go down to Huntington Beach in California, Southern California, go down to the end of the pier that's right off Main Street, and there was a Duke's there, uh, no not Duke's, a Ruby's um, there at the end of the pier, and I would propose to her there. But what she didn't know was my friend um my friend brian uh who she didn't know was actually a worship leader and and excellent guitar player excellent singer he was pretending to be somebody in the lower economic status who was down on his luck his car broke down and uh, and he came by and he said hey my car broke down and this is his story you know like this is our scheme and she has cas knows nothing about it and he says do you think i get some money you know my car broke down e gas or whatever it was and i said hey, is that a guitar in your back? He said, yeah. I said, do you know how to play it? He says, yes. I go, okay, I'll, I'll give you some money if you play for us. And Kaz is like, just give him money, you know? And I'm like, no, he has to earn his money. And she's probably thinking, who is this guy that I'm like, you know, dating and serious about? And so I said, you know the song, uh, Welcome to the Land Down Under? You know, for those who don't know, my wife's Australian, and so is that Welcome to the land down under where women glow, men plunder. Anyways, and uh, so he played that song and then he played the song uh, Love, Love Me Do by the Beatles. And then I got down on one knee and I said something, some sweet words to her. And then I said, will you marry me? And she says, yes. And I was like, yes. So that was a time when I got love right. She didn't have to marry me, but... By the grace of God, she said, yes. And when I think about love, I think about all the times I have gotten love wrong and how I have made mistakes, but also think about God. Because God always gets love right. God always gets love right. And I think we need to hear a message in our day and age and, and the, the context that we see our lives in today, a message that goes back to this foundational principle, foundational truth that, that God loves you, that God loves us regardless. And sometimes it might be difficult for some of us to, to experience God's love, but God still loves you. It might be difficult for some because of what has happened in our life, but God still loves you. And what we're going to see in a moment is that the world we live in today is never what God intended the world to be. So maybe some has been hurt. Some, maybe some, thing, some horrible things have happened. God loves you. And God wants to restore you. God wants to heal you. God wants to bring you peace. God wants to bring you wholeness. And that's the beauty of God, that he never gives up on us. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 7 to 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. For everyone online, write that in the comments section, God is love. If you're taking notes here, write that down, God is love. Or if you just have an audiographical memory, just memorize it, God is love. God is love. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, We ought to love one another. I'm going to read that again because this is a moral imperative. Meaning, this is what God is saying uh, through through John here. Like this is what God wants us to do. Like this is a command, Uh, dear friends. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete. And now drop down to verse 19. We love because God first loved us. And you can write that down online. We love because God first loved us. If you're here, you can write it down in your notes or in your phone. We love because God first loved us. And that's an important point. We love because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Wow. Let's begin with the premise that we are loved by God. The point of verse 19 here seems to be that we could love God, or the reason we could love Is because God first loved us? It's as if God gave us this ability to love others because the Creator first loved us. And when God showed us His love, that gives us the ability to go and to love others. In fact, the entire Bible talks about how much God loves us. The Old Testament major... Uh, prophet book, uh, or book in the Old Testament, major prophet book called Isaiah, talks a lot about how much God loves us. You can even do a Google search, Isaiah and God's love, and there'll be so many passages about how much God loves us. But I wanted to share with you four passages that just reiterate how much God loves us, and how much God loves you. And and here's what we read in in Scripture. Deuteronomy 23, verse 5. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turn the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. John three sixteen For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 16, 27, no, the Father Himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I come from God." 1 Corinthians 8:3, "But the person who loves God, but the person who loves God is known by God. Love is why God created you and me. Love is why God created us. He created us because of love, because of relationships. Pastor John Orberg says it this way: "God did not make us because He was bored lonely, or had run out of things to do. Isn't that comforting to know? It wasn't like God's like, I'm bored. He created us because He loves us. He created us for relationships. God's very nature is love. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. Now, love is not God, but God is love. God's very nature is love. One of the most important Bible passages and biblical accounts when it comes to the the plight of Humanity and where we are today and and that gives us an understanding of where we are today is in Genesis 3 Genesis 3 is uh, where it talks about the fall of humanity the the when sin entered the world and in this uh, account What happens is God created Adam and Eve and put a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden and said, don't eat from that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And um, and one day Eve was walking by the tree and there's a serpent there. And the serpent was like, hey come eat this tree you know this fruit because God doesn't want you to know the things he knows God doesn't want you to be like him God's holding back on you and he was like oh okay and then oh the fruit looks good and then she takes a bite and hey Adam and Adam's like oh okay and Adam takes a bite, and at that moment sin entered the world and at that moment the entire trajectory of what God had intended changed but sometimes people say, why in the world was there a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden in the first place? Why would God, you know, like, do that? He did it because he didn't want to create robots. He did it because he didn't want to create people who had no choice but to follow him. He did it because he knew that in order for there to be true love, there must be a choice. If there's no choice, there is no free, there, there's no true love. Kaz said yes to me out of her free will. Praise the Lord on that one. (laughs) She didn't have to say yes, but she chose to say yes. If she was coerced or forced in any way, it wouldn't be true love. So in order for there to be true love, there must be a choice. So God gave Adam and Eve humanity a choice, and humanity said, no, we're not doing this. You know, we're, we're going to disobey God. But God said you could you could obey me or disobey me. You could love me or you could turn your backs on me. He gave humanity and he gives us this choice today. And as we see the world that we live in today is a world that is is, is just mired in corruption and hurt and pain. Um, and it's not what God originally intended. Not by any means at all. So there needs to be a choice. If there's going to be free Uh, If there's going to be true love But back To this passage of 1 John That God loves us God loves you regardless of your past God loves you regardless of where you have been God loves you regardless Of even if you feel like God loves you or not God still loves you And I know that's difficult Because sometimes um, we have so much stuff in our lives and, 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 and whether you want to call it um, baggage or hurt or emotional pain or whatever it is, sometimes we see God with a skewed lens. But God's love is pure. God's love is is not tainted. God's love is absolutely perfect. And sometimes that's hard to see depending on our past and where we've been and what has happened to us. But remember, God is always in in the business of restoration, always in the business of restoring, always in the business of, of, of bringing us from here to here, always in the business of bringing us healing. He wants to heal us, and he still can heal us. Just like God healed uh, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, God still heals us today. And, and God knows everything there is to know about us. He knows everything, and he still loves us. God cherishes us so, so much. The, the New Testament word that is most often used from God to his creation is the word agape. Agape simply means that I am choosing to love you. Agape is, is the Greek word love, one of four words for love, but it's saying I'm choosing to love you. Think about that. God chooses to love us. God chooses to love us when we sin. God chooses to love us when we're not living holy lives. God still chooses to love us when we have shortcomings. God still chooses to love us when even when we can't experience His love. God still chooses to love us. You're not beyond God's love and beyond God's grace and beyond God's healing. Nobody is. God loves you. He cherishes you. You and I are His creation. And so perhaps we should go to John chapter 3, the most, probably the most famous passage in all of the Bible. But in John chapter 3, in verse 16, we have this account of Jesus and Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In this setting here, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was part of the Jewish ruling high council, which meant he was part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was made up of a lot of people, and it was kind of like the Supreme Court, so to speak, but with a lot more judges. And, and they, they made decisions on religious stuff and on political stuff, and, and, and they had clout. Nicodemus had a lot of clout. But what we read in the first verse of John chapter 3, in John chapter 3 verse 1, it says that Nicodemus, this man with authority, this man with clout, this man with power, came to Jesus at night. Now there's a number of reasons why Jesus, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, possibilities rather. One is maybe that was the only time Jesus was available. So Nicodemus says, hey, you know, 9 o'clock at night, yeah, I'll meet you there, no problem. Another possibility, and I think this possibility is probably more likely, is that Nicodemus um, didn't want the other people of the Sanhedrin to see him meeting with Jesus. Nicodemus was somebody who was seeking Jesus, somebody who wanted to know more about Jesus, somebody who wanted to find out who this Jesus was and was he the Messiah. But he didn't want the Sanhedrin to find out he was actually talking to somebody because in the minds of most people of the Jewish ruling council, Jesus was a threat. So Nicodemus was kind of doing things covertly. And in fact, we also read this in in Matthew. Jesus states, whoever acknowledges Jesus Uh, Jesus states whoever acknowledges me before mankind I will also acknowledge him before my father in heaven but whoever disowns me before mankind I will disown him before my father in heaven what's fascinating about this is that sometimes you and I are like Nicodemus I think that we're afraid to let people know that we live for Jesus sometimes we're we don't either, A, live the life Jesus called us to live, or two, we don't want to let others know that we live the life that Jesus has called us to live. And, and as we look at um, Nicodemus, if he came to Jesus because he didn't want others knowing, can we relate with that? I think he was being strategic at the same time, but yet let's look in our lives. Have there been times that we have shied away from the gospel? Have there been times that we have shied away from letting people know that we believe in Jesus? And that's not to be. Let's be bold in our faith. Now when I say let's be bold in our faith, I mean let's be bold in our faith in terms of how we love. And I may have said this last week, I forget, but, but sometimes the church at large, I think, is known for what we're against. And you ask somebody who's not a believer, what's the Christian church stand for? And they'll give you a list of everything that, that we're against. And that's a general you know, that's general, that's a generalization. But why don't you and I, why doesn't Kimekee Christian Church be the the on on the on, on the forefront of letting people know what we're for? And and, and let's be the people who are loving our neighbors. You, you the people that wanted to be around Jesus, they were liars, they were thieves They were tax collectors. They were uh, 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 prostitutes. They were people that were um, um, pushed out of society. Jesus wasn't compromising what he believed. But people who weren't religious, quote-unquote, they wanted to be with Jesus. And he didn't compromise. Why? Because he was filled with nothing but love. Love. How can you and I love our neighbors? How can you and I love those we come in contact with? How can we love the people who just bother us? How can we love our boss who's been unfair to us? How can we love the person who just lost their job? How can we love the person who's been furloughed and they're not sure what's gonna happen? How can we love the person who has been infected with coronavirus? How can we love the family who just lost somebody? How can we love that person? Who is that person that is so difficult for you to love? And maybe that's the person God's calling you to love. Because God's love is radical. God's love is beyond, you know, it's, it's bigger than we could do. But we'll need the, the help of the Lord to help us love people. But let's start here at Common Key Christian Church where, where people know what we're for, who we're for. And let's do it through Love. Doesn't mean we compromise what we believe because we don't. But what it means is we love and we choose to love. That's what agape love is. We choose to love. And so maybe you're thinking of someone now, write their name down, you know, uh, and, and connect with them. How can you love them? How can you show them the, the great love of God? So as we look at this passage here, uh, in verse 17, it, I just want to point out something that in verse 17 it says God did not send His His Son into the world to condemn the world. Okay, so in verse 17 it says that uh, that God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. However, we read in verse 9 that Jesus says, "For judgment I've come into the world." So it seems like there's these two passages that seem to be conflicting on some some level, or at least disagree, and. On a side note, don't ever be afraid to uh wrestle with these with these uh difficult passages. Don't ever be afraid to wrestle with these uh what what we could call potentially problematic passages. Wrestle with Scripture. Get into the nitty-gritty of Scripture. Get into it so we can learn. Let's you and I be men and women who are constantly learning, constantly figuring out what God has for us, because the more we learn, the, the more empowered we become. But as we learn, let's remember to always be humble as we learn and as we share with others. So here is the basic idea here these two phrases that I didn't come in the world condemn the world that's that's the phrase one and then in chapter nine for judgment I came into the world we got to understand something that he's talking about two different groups and um and one theologian says it this way um and by the way I'm quoting a theologian because I always joke about like I forgot more Greek than I learned uh when I'm doing Bible college and it's not really a joke. It's kind of true. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't ever want to come across like, well, the Greek says this. Yeah, I've forgotten so much of that stuff. So I rely on smarter people than me. Um, the, the two verbs translated has been condemned and has not believed are both in the perfect tense. And the, one theologian says this, in Greek, that points to something permanent. In the perfect tense, that points to something permanent, a lasting state. John is not talking about a passing moment of doubt or unbelief. He is talking about the person who has entered a continuing state of unbelief. Who John's talking about uh, uh, people who have absolutely turned away from God, turned their back on God. Those are the people who will be judge ultimately he's not talking about the majority of us who at times have unbelief at, at times have all these questions and i always say this questions are good because questions lead us to investigate and to learn and to study more and to have healthy conversations and and to work out um uh different ideas that we have so we got a group of one group that he's referring to that the people who are, are those who turn their backs on jesus turn their backs on the cross and we might know some of those people. How many friends do we have who don't believe? I think it's so important that you and I cultivate relationships with people who don't believe because we need to show them that we love them and we care about them. And and so maybe you have a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a colleague, and and maybe God is calling you to build a relationship with them. And maybe God's calling you to to just build that relationship and then figure out from there when you can have those those moments of faith conversations. You don't we don't befriend people who who aren't believers, you know, to win them, you know, like 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 they're a, you know, like a prize. You know, we, but we do it because we genuinely love them. I hope that makes sense. So, so, so why, do people unbelie- or why do people doubt? Why do people have questions? There's all sorts of reasons why. But here's the deal. People need to know they're loved. And we need to hear people's stories of why they don't believe. There's a myriad of stories of why people believe or don't believe. But ultimately, people need to know they're loved. With our girls, Kaz and I tell our girls regularly, ever since they are all born, that we will love them always regardless. And may we let others know that we will love them regardless. Um, it, it, we turn our backs on the Lord. We, 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 we do things that disappoint, uh, that, that, that God just, that, 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 that is not holy. That is not what God would want, but God still loves us. How do we have that type of love? That even when we're still sinners, Jesus still died for us. Think about that. While we're still sinners, Jesus still died for us. Like, That's, that's love. How, how can we have even just a small portion of that love? So as we talk about God's love, though, we can't pass over the idea of this pandemic, this global pandemic that we're in. And not just this pandemic, but, but the horrible situation our world is in or has been in since, since the fall of humanity. There's been bad things in the world going on since ever since the fall of humanity. And uh, there's been pandemics, uh, you know, a hundred years ago, there was a there was a pandemic. Before this current pandemic, you had the big Australian wildfires, remember that? We all forget about those killing so many people, so many wildlife. And, and now this virus here has infected over three million Americans with over 12 million people worldwide who have been affected by this uh, coronavirus. And there's divisions among so many people and in so many different areas. And there's atrocities all over the world that are going on. And so the question is, okay, God, what is going on? God, how, how can you be loved and yet allow these things to happen? And I wish I could get this little box and nice little wrapping paper and then put a little bow on top. And just solve all of what's called theodicy and the problem of evil. But let me just give you some thoughts, some things you can wrestle with and some resources. When it comes to bad things in the world, I think one thing we have to remember. This world we live in is not what God intended. God never intended for there to be this much pain, this much hurt. God never intended for there to be all these natural disasters that happen. God never intended for any of this stuff never the intention, but it was our decision, humanity's decision to go against God. I think number two, I think sometimes people make bad choices and hurt people. And when people are hurt, that breaks the heart of God. But also number three, I think we could take into account the fact that Jesus identifies with us. Jesus was lied to. Jesus was betrayed. Jesus was uh, ridiculed. Jesus was mocked. Jesus was spit on. Jesus was hung on the cross for our sins. Jesus identifies with us in our suffering. We have a Savior who identifies with us in every single way. And when we're going through difficult times or we don't understand things, we could go to our Savior who identifies with us. So there's no nice little bow that solves the problem of evil and bad things that happen and all that, but we can continue to learn and read about it and talk about it and things like that. And let me offer you two resources. One is uh, Philip Yancey's classic book, Where Is God When It Hurts? Uh, Over a million copies sold, but, but this is a classic, Where Is God When It Hurts? by Philip Yancey. Another book that just came out it's called God in the Pandemic, a Christian reflection on the coronavirus and its aftermath by my favorite theologian NT Wright. I mean, he wrote a book in 3 months. You're you're like really smart to do that and or you have like an endowment where you don't have to do your normal work and all you do is write a book for 3 months i'm a little jealous i'm just saying I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so and so um those are two great resources where is god when it hurts by philip yancey and then god in the pandemic by nt wright uh, if you want to know more you want to learn more as believers let's continue to learn like i was saying earlier let's never stop learning believers christians we are we should be learners and 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 especially if you're a leader which we're all leaders in one respect or another we need to be learning continuing to learn but with humility so, whatever you're going through, whatever it is in your life, never forget God loves you. The creator of the universe loves you. He cherishes you. He understands your pain. He understands your hurt. He understands if there's some blockage in your heart where it might be hard for you to receive the love of God, the, 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 to be able to feel and experience the love of God. He gets that. Be honest with the Lord. There's nothing you're going to tell God that's going to shock God. And so with the love of God, what is our response going to be? God loves us absolutely. He chooses to love us. will always choose to love us. So what is our response going to be? Let me suggest first, let's not allow God's love and God's grace to be a license to sin. The Apostle Paul writes... And he says this, he says that should we keep on sinning that grace may increase? And the answer is absolutely not. But let's receive God's love. And when we receive God's love, let's go and love others. Let's respond to God how he has responded to us, absolutely loving us. Choosing to love us even when we turn our back on him. Let's go and love people who are unlovable. Let's go love people who have hurt us. Let's go love people who have offended us. That's how revolutions start. Online, on social media, let's love people on social media. Let's care for people in every arena that we have. And let's see what happens and what God does in and through all of that. God defeated everything because he is love. So the band could come on this note. As you think about love, the greatest act of love is what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus did not have to die for us, but he chose to die for us to redeem us. He chose to die for us to, to bring us back into relationship with him. Because of what Jesus did on the cross... We have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we have eternity with the creator and will be with him forever. And then when we are with the Lord forever, then we'll see what God originally intended. That's good news.